Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad, and unfortunately, Evan, my wonderful co-host, will not be joining us today. He uh, perhaps pushed himself a little far on uh, this last week doing the Friday Forge. I told him to not do it, that I would solo it, but he was like, no, I will join. And uh, his sickness, his COVID sickness, has only gotten worse, unfortunately. So he was thinking about doing it, and I was like, no, man, stop. Just kill it, take some time, and rest. So I forced him to not be included in today's episode the show will always go on and one of us will certainly solo should we have to and the other ones if the other one's out for the count but it's not nearly as much fun it's so much harder you know it's like you think that you're responsible for a lot of the flow and the progress of an episode and then kind of realize how important the other person actually is when you do this solo that without them to kind of bounce your ball off of then it's just you so I find that there's like long blanks of silence sometimes during my editing. Depends on how much preparation I put into it before I do it. That I have to then edit out later because I'm thinking like, what am I saying right now? And typically Evan would be filling that space. So we miss you, Evan. And I am no exception. I probably miss you the most. Love you, buddy. But thank you so much for sticking around and hanging out with just me because I'm going to be lonely. This week in fictional news, Warner Bros. in partnership with Legendary Pictures recently released the trailer for Dune Part 2, set to be coming out later this year, and it looks awesome. I will include a link in the description beneath this episode. The last movie was kind of laying the groundwork for the story, introducing us to its major players and places and rulers and factions and power hierarchies and all that stuff. But before the ending, which just picked up this beautiful snow globe story that they had just constructed, then shucked the hell out of it. Power hierarchies, which went flying in all directions and rearranged their world. So there's like... Sp- power vacuums really stinging the societies like the sands of Arrakis. So this one looks to be a little bit more about like personal growth, revenge, and love, and like focused on some of just a few characters. I'm sure they'll get, we'll get a lot of them, but like, I don't think it'll be quite as spread out as the last movie was. So I think it's gonna be a little bit more focused. There seemed to be like a large romantic through line when I was watching the trailer. Uh, What we knew was kind of broken at the end of the last movie, so this one will be laying the groundwork at least by developing characters with the values and traits to put those broken pieces back together. Uh, Whether the characters will overcome their own selfish needs for revenge and do what is right for the sake of the many, however... That remains to be seen, but I will put a link in the description below if you haven't seen the first one, uh, the first movie. Go watch that. Don't watch the trailer below yet. Uh, Go after this, you know, wait till you're done with the Monday morning minute, then don't do whatever you had to plan to do for the rest of the day, like work or something silly like that. Go watch the first Dune movie because it is awesome. And then come back and watch the trailer for part two so you can get hyped about it and come talk about it with us in the Discord, because I'm really looking forward to it, and I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, trailers have kind of become like Snapchat filters these days. You can never be sure uh, whether a good trailer is any indication of like a good movie, but we can hope. And my hopes are high coming off the excitement and quality of the first one, so I'm really looking forward to that. This week has been pretty busy. I feel like I'm not going to be very exciting with like, check out this new series I started and talk about something new as I'm in the middle of so many series right now, or like as in the case of Priory of the Orange Tree, in the middle of what should have no doubt been more than one book. Like that book is, if you threw that book off of like a roof, you could kill someone if it hit it. It's so large. I have a paperback version and it probably would still kill someone, at least a child, like under eight, definitely for sure. Um, Okay, so before I get into the book stuff, though, I watched a few things this week that I want to talk about. I started watching on Netflix The Wu Assassin. If you like stylized kung fu, like fighting, you will enjoy this show. Its premise is a little bit ridiculous. It's like an honorable chef who seems to only have criminal friends. 
but he is somehow not a criminal, and he gets given the power of 10,000, I think it's 10,000, maybe 1,000, a whole lot of monks in order to stop these ancient warlords that are coming to San Francisco for some reason, and he is tasked as, like, the chosen one who must go against his conscientious objector nature and deliver some serious hurt to these ancient magical warlords. I didn't expect it to be magical and stuff when I started the show. I just thought I was going to get, like, a martial arts, like, chef who's just really kick-ass. And then all of a sudden, like, like time slows. He gets handed this power and sucks the 10,000 monks into him. I was like, oh, wow, that just took a turn. I was in for it. I kind of like me some magical things. You know, I, uh, well, of course I do run a fantasy book podcast, but you know, in shows, sometimes it can be a little hokey when they turn that corner. The show does it pretty well. Like it's a little, a little hokey, but whatever. I'm, we're not there for the excellent like storyline and like <laughs> the cinematic excellence. It's more of just like really cool fighting and martial arts, which I'm all about, even though it may not be the most like inspired of stories, but like that aside, it's a great time. And it has an awesome soundtrack. All these Eastern hip-hop tracks are in there. It's super, super awesome. Though the fact that the Wu Assassin show has chosen hip-hop as its main music, but has yet to play a Wu-Tang song, like Wu Assassin, Wu-Tang, seems to me like those would go together. That's highly disappointing, so hopefully we can get some RZA and like Method Man or something in the next few episodes. Shamurai Champloo did that. There was these uh, DJ, what are they called? Tushi? Tushi? Um, uh, Tushida Shaka Zombie was one. And then there was an American musician, Fat John Nujabe. He's like a DJ. KZA and DJ Kent and a couple other people. Anyway, man, they just killed it. The Shamurai Champloo has a really, really cool like instrumental hip hop. It's sometimes not instrumental, but primarily instrumental hip hop track. And I just think martial arts set to hip hop is like, well, I would think that because like hip hop and martial arts are two of my favorite things. So. You know, that's not a huge stretch for me for those two things blended to be like, whoa, he thinks it's so awesome, but it is so awesome. And I think it's just the best music to put fighting to uh, really any fighting style, but especially martial arts, because they just seem so joined at the hip somehow. OK, so a while back, I was hearing from a lot of people, including Evan. Uh, now, I, I don't know if Evan said it was as good as the Lego movie, but the Puss in Boots movie, I was told by many it was on par with the Lego movie. And I think that is absolute rubbish. I'm not sure in what way we're comparing the two, maybe like both being kids movies or something like that, because the Lego movie was way better story, had me laugh like an infinite amount more had better characters, way better award-winning, in fact, musical score, and taught both adults and kids a far better, more valuable, and applicable lesson. So, by every metric I can conceive, with the slight exception of ninja-like slow-motion aerial cat combat, the Lego movie was a superior film. So, I think a lot of people should just go back and rewatch the Lego movie so they can be reminded of the cinematic masterpiece that that movie truly was. I also have been watching The Last Kingdom, a show on Netflix. The show is based off of The Last Kingdom books by Bernard Cornwell, who I think we even talked about this last Friday Forge, which I didn't realize until I was a few episodes into the show. And man, if the books are anything like the show, which based upon my experience with books and movies, they probably are better. And you are fiending for like some historical fiction that is just full of action and awesomeness. I'm going to take a stab here and say that those books are probably super awesome and exactly what you're looking for. Because the show rocks and i'm super super enjoying it i watched all of season one last week just because i couldn't stop it was so good and so much happens in so little amount of show like he's like three romantic love interests that like make you a little emotional every time each one ends that 
because you've grown to like them so much by like the eighth episode and you're like how are they doing this how are they packing this much stuff this much story into so few episodes it's just wild so it covers like very loosely based on a british boy named utrid uh, who was a real person in history but i don't think he did any of the things that this show has him doing and he's in line to inherit their version of like a little fiefdom land and holdings but his father is killed by the danes who have been slowly taking over at this time in history i think it's like 800 ad somewhere right in there um, which is true the danes actually did do that uh, which is why it makes it historical fiction right and the danes have been taking over one small kingdom at a time of britain and they basically control the entire thing except for wessex thus the name of the whole thing which is the last kingdom wessex is being ruled by the very real and like not loosely based figure of alfred the great who was the one who united england and i guess probably is responsible for eventually taking it to like creating england itself as one united kingdom united under one ruler as opposed to being like a bunch of little countries within it uh you know having infighting maybe like allied against a common enemy but definitely had different kings and were entirely different little fiefdoms within the one country of britain that we know today and we have alfred the great to thank for that uh, man alfred the great never thought there would be like an alfred with the great behind it you know it's just not a very powerful like when you think alfred you're not like man don't want to meet that guy in a dark alley because he is something scary you know like like how did, how, how did alfred's do in jail i would guess not super great right like not the top of the jail <laughs> house uh food chain that's for sure anyway he's pretty cool and he does unite england and kills the danes well i don't know if that's cool but he did like create england by uniting that whole island under one ruler, so that's pretty cool. Probably saved a lot of lives, for sure. Uhtred, this young boy, at the age of nine, seeing he sees his father killed by a, a Dane in battle, where his father's entire army is massacred, and he gets taken as a Dane slave and grows up with them. The Dane lord, like, takes a liking into him and eventually kind of adopts him as his son. And so he's a, like, Britain man by blood, but his personality was shaped by the heathens, and, uh, who, obviously, are just, like, way more fun. Uh, and never being shown, like, much love by his real father, he tends to kind of lean dane on most matters as he associates himself with like their culture i think he just kind of resonates with it a little more they're all about like fun and living in the moment and the britons are very serious and very religious and uh hyper controlled by the pretty corrupt church at this point in history but he does kind of go back and forth and it's an interesting dichotomy the juxtaposition they paint between the two cultures and one person who's kind of stuck in between like not accepted by either because he's not either one he's just kind of this like amalgamation of both and that was very important back in the day so fortunately we've grown past that and well fortunately a lot of us have grown past that <laughs> and uh it's not as big of a deal as it was in the past and I can't speak to the later seasons, but season one is an absolute banger. It is the best show I've seen in a hot minute. It felt like reading a Joe Abercrombie novel, kind of, like in, in show form. So if you're looking for something exciting, kind of a grim, dark tale, then uh, with lots of violence, you know, if that's not your thing, then, you know, this maybe probably isn't the show for you. But there's five seasons out on Netflix. I always love discovering a show that I'm super into and I like a lot. And then be like, oh, there's five seasons. Yes, I have so much potential time to waste in front of me so i'm pretty stoked to um kind of dig my teeth into that a little bit more and see what they do in season two which i will certainly let you guys know how it goes and most of that wasn't spoilers by the way like all the things like his dad dying and that, that stuff happens like episode one so don't even worry about it if it served to hook you into the story then it was worth the few surprises that it ruined at the very beginning of the show okay on to books so i finished persepolis rising the seventh expanse expanse book and <sighs> It's okay. I think I'm not going to be, I don't think that I'm giving the expanse a fair readout of 
how good of books and of a series it actually is because I'm just a little fatigued with it at this point. Like, it's just long and arduous. I felt like book four didn't even need to be there. The book series could have ended in the last book, and they probably could have, like, trimmed a lot of the fat of the previous books and put all the stuff in the next three, uh, or the last three, into the previous six. So, I don't know. It was a good book. And, like, it ended well, and I was exciting. At no point was I like, this is a bad book. But, like, some of it, I'm just like, why am I here? Why am I with this character? Why are we introducing new characters? And I know that I've complained about this in a previous podcast, but if you asked me to tell you what the story was about like the one through line i couldn't be like well they had this evil ring right and in order to kill like the bad dark lord they had to throw it into the mountain so they got to take it from one side of the world to the other to throw it in the mountain i don't know what this is like it feels like a high let's see if i can remember my terms that we just covered in this uh, last friday forge it feels like a epic story in a low science fiction setting i guess if the same rule applies to science fiction genres low meaning it's our world it's earth as opposed to some made up you know star wars it's like has all these places not earth which is the definitive factor at least for me between like high fantasy and low fantasy high fantasy the world is completely made up not ours low fanny low fanny low fantasy it is our world so it's the earth that they're on at least even if it's a different earth like harry potter would be low fantasy i don't know we don't have like a main bad guy you know if this is an epic fantasy which requires like universe ending stakes which could be the thing because the proto molecule totally could do that or the thing that stopped the proto molecules uh, inventing civilization from expanding and the reason why they had to like quarantine a bunch of the universes and make the ring world and the safe ones that you could go into that thing definitely could take out our universe but like i don't really feel like we're under the threat of that happening at this point in the story which and we're you know just finished the seventh book in like a nine book series so that's pretty far i feel like i remember reading the Greenbone books and thinking wow this is really cool it would make a really good tv show because it feels like we're just gonna get a chunk pulled out of this character this world's history that is really interesting and fun and it didn't really have like a main point or focus either we're just kind of living the life of these characters for a few years and that was really cool and i liked that approach in those books but this book i feel like i need a dark lord like they're too big there's too much for them to not give me a Dark Lord at this point, you know? It's just, like, weird. Also, I think they water their story down a little bit by having so many point-of-view characters. Like, just stick with Holden and his crew. That would be way better. Though Holden is an exhausting character, for sure. Um, A Spear Quest Through Water, I finished that one as well. That book takes the cake as, by a long shot, of the favorite book that I'm reading right now. It is the most beautiful book that I've read in a long time. Like, it's just... It's dense writing. The the author spares no expense with words. He's not trying to make short sentences. He gets jiggy with those sentences and like really describes things. And uh, but but he doesn't do it in a way where like okay, five chapters about the mountains. It's like no, he was able to summarize this incredible depth of meaning in a few sentences that are just so jam packed with like depth and layers and meaning that it's just it's just beautiful writing. It's just so clever and and. I don't know any other word for it, so I'm just going to say, like, it's beautiful writing. Go check it out. A Spear Cuts Through Water is awesome, and uh, if you're looking for a beautiful book, it's great, and it is that. Um, about halfway through The Priory of the Orange Tree, and I'm very much enjoying it. It's very good writing. It's got a lot of the cool tropes that I love, like kind of a little school trope in there. It's real fun. It's real good. I like dragons. I got to say, though, I tried the audiobook reader again because i still i have it on my audible account right and i'm like well if i'm just driving down the road and listening to a song i'm like oh i want to listen to an audiobook and that's the book that i'm reading right now that i also have the audiobook for because i spent a 
credit on it about six or seven months ago and and didn't continue with it because I didn't like the audiobook reader so much. So I've tried her again and again and again, and I cannot get into her style. She does this thing. She overacts the voices, like especially the male voices. She'll be like, hello there. Ha, ha. And it's like, dude, if you can't sound like a man because you're have a higher, your voice is in a higher register, then just don't. Don't try. Like when I'm audiobook narrating girls, I don't like talk with my voice up here. Oh, Peter, where are you going? Like that? No, no one wants to be like, Peter, where are you going? You know, make, him, make it a little more delicate like that but don't change your voice to the point that it takes me out of the story because i'm like whoa okay i'm not a seven-year-old being read a clifford book or something you know as many of you know we're also reading the dream blood duology by nk jemison um and we're on book two about halfway through it the shadowed sun book one was called the killing moon okay overall super disappointing i'm not gonna lie I want to even go so far as to retract my previous statement of this series moving into my favorite N.K. Jamison book series over the Broken Earth trilogy. Because at the time I said that, I was about halfway through book one, and I thought this story was pointed in a direction it turned out to not be pointing. And unfortunately, I have been left wanting. It's just... I don't know what the point of it is. I feel like she loved the story so much in her mind and spent so much time thinking about it. She forgot to build into her story that she needs to make us care about the characters and what happens to them. Because she already did so much because she had been like ruminating on this story so much, creating it in her mind, that by the time she actually wrote it, she forgot to get us to love them or care. So it's definitely the book that I'm like, okay, I just got to like get through right now. It's not bad, you know, like her writing is very good, but it's not as good as the Broken Earth series by a long shot. But I do suppose that every book series can't win the Hugo Award three years in a row like Broken Earth. So I'm not going to let it affect my overall opinion of Jemison's writing style and storycraft because she is a very, very talented writer. I finished Shadow and Bone book two, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. I stopped watching the show because it just was, I don't know, it was getting in my head too much. And I was seeing it when I closed my eyes, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. I feel like that's a disservice to the author. I'm just going to stop. So I just stopped watching that. I'll probably pick it up again once I finish the books, but the books are really good. I'm really enjoying them, and I think that I'm better for it and enjoying my experience reading the books while not simultaneously watching the show. It was a fun exercise to try out, but it makes me too critical of one or the other, and you know, neither the show nor the series deserve that. So I think it's best to do them solo. Go book, then go series. Uh, that one was sent to me by a listener. And Evan and I, as many of you I'm sure know, we have our Amazon wish lists public and I'll, they're always listed below in the descriptions of the episodes. And they're also embedded within the links uh, in each of the links within our bios on our show social accounts. And it is so special that I get books sent to me, you know, like the, I got the Shadow and Bone book sent to me. And it's just like so cool when people just think of us and either go on there, want to do something nice for one of us and go in there and just buy a book off of our wish list, or they send us the book that they think that we should read. I always love sending like a gem that I didn't know I had to read or had to own. Amazon allows you to include a note when you send someone a gift on there, and those notes get printed out on these little cards. And let me tell you, I keep them with all the books that I get from you all, and I use them as bookmarks when I read it, even though I am loath to cheat on my book darts, the world's best bookmark by a large margin. So great, the traditional bookmark is like the now equivalent of folding a corner in my mind by, by comparison. Like, why would you do that? Uh, the book dart is so superior, and they're like, what, $5 for 20 of them? And, you know, just move them from book to book to book. That's going to last a long time. They're the best bookmark, with the exception of the notes that you guys send us because uh, you know the book darts have never made me cry those gifts and notes have been a bright spot on a few bleak days let me tell you so to everyone past and future who has or will send us a book uh know that it is so special 
And it is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in life, having people on the other side of this nation or planet, for that matter, one, know what you even like to read in a book, and then think about you while reading it, and then send you, a person they have never met in person, a copy of it. And that's some, like, grade A, give you some hope and faith in your fellow person type stuff right there. In my opinion, it is anyway. So from the bottom of my heart, and though Evan is not with us today, I think I can speak for both of us when I say thank you so much. It means more than you know. All right, though I am capable of both rambling on about other things and uh, getting emotional on this podcast because our listeners are the best, I will save you all from both of those things here and end with the Friday fun fact, which I'm actually going to switch today because it's just me and I can do what I want. Um, I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to read my favorite poem. It's a wildly shortened version of it, though. It's like the full thing would take 25 or 30 minutes. So this is just the shortened version, but it has all the best parts in it. It's from the Lays of Ancient Rome which is a collection of narrative poems or lays by uh, Thomas Babington Macaulay called Horatius at the Gate. Then out spake brave Horatius, the captain of the gate. To every man upon this earth, death cometh soon or late. And how can man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his gods? And for the tender mother who dandled him to rest and for the wife who nurses his baby at her breast, and for the holy maidens who feed the eternal flame, to save them from false sextus that wrought the deed of shame. Hew down the bridge, Sir Consul, with all the speed ye may. I, with two more to help me, will hold the foe in play. In yon straight path a thousand may well be stopped by three. Now who will stand on either hand and keep the bridge with me? Then out spake Spurius Larcius, a Ramnian proud was he. Lo, I will stand at thy right hand and keep the bridge with thee. And out spake strong Herminius, of Titan blood was he, I will abide on thy left side and keep the bridge with thee. Horatius, quoth the consul, as thou sayest, so let it be. And straight against that great array, forth went the dauntless three. For Romans in Rome's quarrel spared neither land nor gold, nor son nor wife nor limb nor life in the brave days of old. Then none was for party, then all were for the state. Then the great man helped the poor, and the poor man loved the great. Then lands were fairly portioned, the spoils were fairly sold, the Romans were like brothers in the brave days of old. Now Roman is to Roman more hateful than a foe, and the tribunes beard the high and the fathers grind the low. As we wax hot in faction and battle we wax cold, wherefore men fight not as they fought in the brave days of old. And that's the little snippet of a very long poem uh, about Horatius and his uh, two brothers in arms defending the Roman gates on the bridge, the choke point, uh, against thousands. I really like it. It's one of my favorites. You can either Google Horatius' poem if you want to. You know what? I'll just link it in the description beneath this episode so uh, you guys can find it and read it should you want to. Because it's my favorite poem. I really like poetry and and hip-hop, as I said earlier. So, Uh, And what is rap? Well, good rap is just poetry set to music, right? Not all rap, though. One could convince me is poetry which is a discussion for another time thank you guys so much for joining and hanging out with me today let's send evan our positive energy and hope he gets well i will say for him happy reading and for me of course i'll always end with my classic bye everybody